welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Jen Amos here. Excited to just give you some quick announcements before we dive into today's incredible discussion with a former guest on our show, way back to episode 17, Lizanne Lightfoot. Really excited to be checking in with her again and catching up and talking about her new book that is coming out in September. But before we get into our conversation, I want to share a couple of announcements. So I had mentioned this throughout the weeks, especially in the month of July. Holding Down the Fort was in the running for the 16th Annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. And I just want to extend my thanks to all of you for showing up and getting our show nominated and supporting our show by helping our show be considered for these podcast awards. I have to give a special shout out to Mark Casper, who has been on our show. He is the executive director of Tech for Troops, Mark Casper, who joined us on our show back in episode 90 back in March 2021. So not too long ago, earlier this year. And I just want to thank him for rooting us on and especially making me aware that he went out of his way to get our show nominated. So thank you, Mark, for that. And I hope that you're doing well. So a quick story for you. Within the first week of the Podcast Awards nomination voting time, this was back in July 7th, I received an email from Podcast Awards you know, saying that, and I'm going to read it verbatim here, podcast awards nomination voting is going strong. And we are very pleased with the total number of votes having blown past 10 million votes so far. This is slightly ahead of last year's voting with 24 days of voting left and podcasting still registering. 2021 is shaping up to be highly competitive. So when I received this email back in July 7, 2021, I had already assumed that we weren't going to make it. (laughs) I just thought to myself like, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm glad that, um, you know, I encourage our community once again to show up and nominate us. But 10 million votes, I thought in my mind, wow, that is a lot of people. Do we even have a chance in these awards? But guess what? Holding down the fort made the final slate in the 16th annual People's Choice Awards. And if you don't know this, by the way, the Podcast Choice Awards is the longest standing award show in the podcasting industry. So to have made it to the final slate, meaning that we are now in the final round to be considered for one of these awards, having over 10 million votes to get us into this position in the final slate, 
I am just ecstatic. No matter what happens, I already feel like a winner. And I am just super grateful for the support of our community and to be in a position to amplify our stories and our needs as military families. So what's going to happen now is it's now in the hands of over 10,000 randomly selected listeners and podcasters to do the final voting. The podcast award ceremony will happen on Thursday, September 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And so we will find out then and there if we officially win an award. And if we do, we are going to be a two-time award-winning podcast show. <laughs> so wish us luck. Like I said, it's now in the hands of 10,000 randomly selected listeners and podcasters. And I'll keep you updated, but I want to just extend my appreciation to all of you again for your support and showing up. And I'm just excited to even be recognized in the final slate. All right. So my next announcement is I had the fortune back in August 7, 2021, to be the keynote speaker for Vets to Industry Military Spouse Mixer. And at this mixer, it was all about bringing military spouses the needed connections to resources, employment, and networking for their career goals. And they had invited me to talk about the theme of new beginnings and my personal take on what that means for our military families. And so the replay of that keynote and the entire event is now available on their YouTube channel, Vets to Industry. So I highly encourage you to check out the website, vetstoindustry.org. That's Vets, V-E-T-S, two as in the number two, industry.org as an organization, vetstoindustry.org. And if you check out their YouTube channel, you'll be able to see that replay. I will be including the keynote in an upcoming episode here. But in the meantime, if you want to see the raw version, go check it out. Check out their YouTube channel. It was such an honor to be able to speak um, in front of a large audience, virtually, of course, <laughs> and share my story and inspire and appreciate the reactions to you know my speech. I tell my story so much. I don't often know the impact. And so to, you know, shout out to Leslie, one of the organizers of Vets to Industry, who, who was at a loss of words after my speech and was tearing up a bit, you know, tells me that I did something good, I did something right, and that my story is very important and should continue to be shared. So thank you, Vets to Industry, for that opportunity. Also, shout out to Lucy Piper, who was a guest on our show way back in episode 32, back in March, 2020, <laughs> so some time ago, who actually had reached out to me directly via Facebook Messenger to invite me. I know that some people had reached out to me on LinkedIn to be a keynote speaker, but I'm so glad that Lucy caught my attention. So Lucy, thank you, thank you so much again for your whole team's persistence to do this speech. It was amazing, and I'm so honored to have been able to do that. All right. And the last update I have to share is also last week, my husband and I did a webinar together where we were providing education on how you as a military spouse can start a business, become self-employed and maximize your military benefits. It was a ton of fun doing it with him. I think that we are going to do more webinars like that in the future. So be on the lookout. In the meantime, the replay is now available. So I will be providing that for you in the show notes in addition to a link to the Vets to Industry keynote. So go ahead and check those out. Would really appreciate your support and see what you think, see if you find it helpful. But it was a free webinar that is now available for you to watch the replay. And that is it. So without further ado, I want to thank you all for your continuous support for the show. Can't thank you all enough. And 
I know I've already shared a lot, but we have some extremely exciting news for the month of September. I am not allowed to talk about it yet, but as soon as I'm able to, you will hear about just something really, really exciting. I can't wait to share it with all of you soon, but be on the lookout, keep listening to our show, subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest updates. And without further ado, please, please, please enjoy this next interview, a follow-up conversation with the past guest, Lizanne Lightfoot. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to season five of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And for season five, once again, I have my amazing co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop, seasoned spouse of 12 years now, mom of two boys, mental health advocate, writer. She's just everything. And most of all, she is my friend in person now. So Jenny Lynn, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Sort of in person. It's great. Yeah. I know in the episode 100, we were like totally in person, but you know, it's okay to like have boundaries and, you know, like record in separate locations. No big deal. (laughs) We're in the same city. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what matters. And of course I'm really excited and I've been talking about this for some time now and especially since episode 100, but my goal for season five is to bring back past guests. And so I'm really excited to introduce you all or reintroduce you all to Lizanne Lightfoot, a little bit about her. She was on our show episode 17. The funny thing is I actually didn't number my episodes back then. So like people are like, wait, you numbered your episodes? Like, yes. So if you look back now, I edited it. It's episode 17. If you go back in time And that was actually quite some time ago. That was November 18th, 2019. And fast forward to today, some things haven't changed, but I'll tell you a little bit about her and her background. Lizanne Lightfoot is a professional writer, military spouse, and mother of five. And the fun thing is at the time that we had interviewed her, she just gave birth to her fifth child. (laughs) And of course, what we're going to talk about today is her book that's coming out on September 21st, 2021, which is titled Open When Letters of Encouragement for Military Spouses. And be sure to check this out now. The website to pre-order your book is tinyurl.com forward slash open when Amazon. So without further ado, Lizanne, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me back on. I'm excited to be here with you today. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit about this offline, but, you know, talk about just that time back in 2019, you just gave birth, you're writing this book and here you are, how amazing it is to have this book coming out in September. Yeah, it does feel like a world ago to think about 2019 (laughs) pre-pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I did give birth in the fall of 2019, which was before the world even knew there would be a shutdown. And at the same time, I had had my manuscript previewed by Elva Race, a publishing company. It wasn't finalized yet at the time. They wanted me to finalize it in the months after giving Mm. birth. So I was still wrapping up that manuscript. I was adding letters into the book. We were still doing some major formatting changes at the time. And now fast forward, it went through a year of edits. We went through a year of a pandemic, of course. And at the same time, my baby has now turned into a toddler and the book actually releases the day after her second birthday. So for me, that is just a testament of how long it takes to write and develop and publish a book. But it's so exciting to see the project coming into fulfillment and finally being at a stage where I can share it with people. 
Yeah, it's absolutely exciting. And this is part of why I am thrilled to be bringing people from the past in our show, because so much has happened since then. I mean, yeah, you were on the show pre-pandemic time. So to not only see that this book is about to be released and then your daughter is about to celebrate her second birthday, I think it's just really exciting and I'm happy to be a part of it or to be a part of your journey. Doesn't 2019 both feel like a lifetime ago and like <laughs> Not at all. I mean, the fact that you were like, that was two years ago. I'm like, is it though? Oh yeah. We lost like a whole year there of all the things. So it was a lot on that. Finally, on that coming to fruition, I'm sure it was extra exciting with the pandemic thrown in the middle of publishing. Well, we also moved in the middle of that. I left that out. Oh, <laughs> Last man. time I recorded with you, I was in California. We had been stationed out in San Diego for a couple of years. And then my husband got promoted and got new orders. So we moved in the middle of the pandemic to Gulfport, Mississippi. And that's where I'm coming to you from now. Wow. Huh. <laughs> We're in the same place at the same time. I was in San Diego until a month ago. So nice. Yeah. You all could have been friends. <laughs> I should have introduced you to you sooner. <laughs> that's correct. Should have started, started the show sooner. I have friends in Gulfport now too, though. Also a writer. So that's super fun. Cool, cool. Yeah. One thing I hadn't mentioned too in our conversation, Lizanne, is that you are commonly known as the seasoned spouse and you have the website seasonspouse.com. And I remember in our conversation back in episode 17, you know, back pre-pandemic times, you created this blog to speak to spouses who were not yet married, you know, that were maybe dating or maybe engaged. And let's kind of review that a little bit because I think it's amazing how, you know, very often I think that a lot of military spouses talk about typically I find that they're already married and writing about their life as a married military spouse. But I love that you, having already been a seasoned spouse, had decided to, you know, really make this blog dedicated to the young spouses. So tell us a little bit more about that and how that journey has been so far as well with your blog. Yeah, it has definitely been interesting and exciting. I started the blog about five years ago now. Mm. And at the time I didn't, fully feel like a seasoned spouse. I had been married, I think maybe just under 10 years because we're celebrating our 14th anniversary this summer. So I had been with my husband. We dated for a ridiculously long time, <laughs> seven years of dating while he was in his early stages of military life. So that by the time we finally married, he was nearing the end of his first enlisted contract. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, the reason I first started the blog is because I felt that everyone had experience and valuable stories to share. So it didn't matter if you'd been a military spouse for 20 years or if you'd been through 17 deployments or five PCS moves or whatever your stats were as a military spouse. I really felt that we all had been seasoned in various ways and everyone has Mm -hmm. something important and something valuable to share. So that was really my reasoning for calling myself the seasoned spouse after less than a decade of military life. And It's really exciting that I've been able to grow into the brand and really fully embrace it. This is my husband's 20th year in the military. Mm. He's still active duty, still doing all the things. Um, And in fact, he extended. So we got a couple of years left beyond 20. And it's really exciting to be at that point where now as a seasoned spouse, I can look back and feel that we've kind of done the hard things. And hopefully I feel like the stressful challenges are mostly over for us. And I want to use my time and my energy to help spouses who are earlier on in that journey to just kind of show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that absolutely they can do difficult things. They can get through challenges because I don't think there's anything special or superhuman about me 
that helped me navigate some of the challenges that I went through. And I want to give them that motivation and encouragement as they're moving through the early stages of military life. I think that's incredible. And I remember in our conversation, you mentioned that your husband was already had gone on his sixth deployment when you thought of this idea and these other spouses were kind of speaking to you, asking for your advice. And you're like, oh, here I am thinking I'm just like an ordinary spouse, but I've been in this life for a long time and I didn't realize my experiences would be so helpful for people. And I know that a lot of your work is, you know, speaking toward military spouses and serving our military community. So I just think it's incredible. And I imagine that for you, it must be very fulfilling to not only, I guess, kind of be open about your own journey, but to know that in sharing your journey, you can help other people as well and even amplifying our stories. Absolutely. I think at least it gives a little bit of hopefully some sense of reason for why we have to go through these difficult moments. He has done seven deployments now. And I think I Mm. came up with the idea for the book during his seventh deployment. And I started thinking about all these little and big challenges that I had faced. And some of them are enormously difficult situations. I talk in the book about giving birth to my son, my third baby, who was born during a deployment. I was alone in the hospital and there was a hurricane that hit our town at the same time. So not everyone has been through a situation like that, but everyone has been through some type of extremely large storm of military life that is just Mm. a whirling pile of stress that you have to figure out on your own. And I hope that by going through some of those difficult moments and some of those challenges that I can channel some of that trauma, I guess, or some of that stress and difficulty that I went through and help others who might be in a similar situation so that they can have that encouragement. They can find ways to get through their own challenges. I'm not at all claiming that I've been through every hard thing that can happen to a military spouse, but I do think that by learning to master those small challenges and those little difficult moments, that it makes the big ones a little bit easier to handle. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And again, I was just thinking about like how appreciative I am to be doing a show where people such as yourself are so willing to be open about, you know, these stories. Jenny Lynn, you've been nodding a lot. And so I imagine you have a lot of thoughts and I just want to check in with you. Oh, I do have so many thoughts. One, I find it really interesting that at almost 10 years in, you question like, am I really seasoned enough to be a seasoned spouse? It has been my experience in the 12 and a half years that I've been a spouse that we become seasoned much quicker Um, then we probably give ourselves credit for, you know, the first time I think I sat down in a therapist office and went through like why I was sitting there and I went through the list of things. They're like, and how old are you? And I was like, 28. (laughs) And they're like, oh, that's a lot. And, you know, we have this extraordinary life experience in a very compressed amount of time. And so I just resonated so deeply with being like, am I seasoned enough to talk about this? Like, because I think I was about probably less than 10 years in and I kind of started putting words to paper on what my experience had been and and had a very similar like am I really expert enough to talk about this I don't know you know and my experience sounds similar to yours and that I have found the more that I shared my own experience the more people are willing to share theirs and you realize oh no we just do a lot of things in a really short amount of time And in sharing those stories, it does make it easier to handle those large and small challenges that come along. I also had a child during a deployment, not during a hurricane, but my house (laughs) caught on fire that day. So there's Oh, I don't remember that detail. That's new for me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
you know, so everybody has their thing. It's crazy. It's always something. And I've, I think that's where that imposter syndrome comes from a little bit as a military spouse, because for the longest time, if I even brought up the courage to share that story, because it was a little bit of a traumatic experience at the time, and it was a while before I could talk about it and write yeah. about it comfortably. But inevitably, yeah, if you bring up a deployment birth in a room of military spouses, someone else is going to have been through a similar experience and they're going to say, oh yeah, yeah, I did that too. And I think that we are around this community that goes through so much, like you said, I think you worded it very well, just saying a huge amount of difficulties in a compressed amount of time that we all kind of take it for granted and assume that this is normal and that everyone should just be handling it fine because, oh, well, that's military life. And part of the reason I wanted to write my book and focus on that message of encouragement is that I think we do each other a disservice when we just kind of shrug it off and say, well, that's how it is sometimes. Like mm -hmm. we've all been through it. You knew what you signed up for because that's truly not helpful to someone who's in a difficult circumstance. And I felt that we really needed a different message of encouragement. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate that so much because I think you're right. There are times where I think being in circles of solely military spouses is really helpful and encouraging because we have similar experience. And also there's a lot of like, yeah, that's just, it is what it is. And there's a certain aspect of acceptance that you have to have to do this life because there are for sure things that are as they are, like deployment, like workups, like all of those things. And also the freedom to talk about those and normalize them because they are what are normal for us. And also they are upsetting and hard and, you know, require a lot of grit and determination and a lot of support. And so I think the more that we can offer that encouragement and be that support system for both, you know, new and seasoned spouses, I've found often in my journey that while new spouses really need support of like, this is what we do. Um, this is what it's like. It really is sometimes the seasoned spouses would actually need a little more support because the assumption is you've done this for so long, you should be a pro. And the truth is every deployment is different. Mm -hmm. Every duty station is different. Every age, I mean, you have five children, I have two, and every age of my children has been different and hard in different ways. And so like the level of things that I need from both the military community and my civilian friends has changed, you know, based on where we've lived and what was happening and how old my kids were. Like sometimes I need a babysitter. Right now I need a referee because they're 10 and 11. <laughs> you know, and so the level of support I need is like, does someone go play baseball with their mom at work? Like they can feed themselves, but just please keep them from killing one another. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to add something like, you know, having met Jenny Lynn and her family and Matthew and your boys for the first time, I won't get into detail, but it was very fun for me to witness your boys <laughs> and what they could do in public sometimes. And just kind of you and Matthew's reaction to it. It's like, oh, just, just let them do it. Just let them get it out of their system. Let them do that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But sometimes you just got to let boys be boys, right? <laughs> yeah, I think lively would be the word I would use to describe <laughs> your meeting your children. <laughs> My kids are just loud. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just own that adjective that our house is very loud. 
So I love that you brought up that seasoned spouses need just as much support because that was actually a conversation that I had with my publisher and with my editor as I was developing the book. It's broken into sections that kind of capture the main categories of military life. And of course, there's a section on deployments and there's one on PCS moves. And I insisted that the final section needed to be written to seasoned spouses. And it's because they do face different challenges at that stage. And at the time, I wasn't even quite in that stage myself. So I did have to interview some other spouses and find, you know, there's a letter about when your military kids are moving off out of the home, going away to school. And I haven't personally experienced that yet. But I spoke to enough other spouses who talked about having a child go away to college and what that feels like when you're PCSing and they won't even be able to return to the home that they've known Mm -hmm. and things like that, that I hadn't even considered yet. And it is just such a different stage of life. So I wanted to make sure that the book was not just about like sending your boyfriend off to boot camp or here's what it's like the first time that you have to move, but that military life is very long and the challenges do change over time. And so if you can't relate to the challenges in one section of the book, absolutely, I think that people can connect with a letter in one of the later sections of the book. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, on that military, the seasoned spouse like thing, I think that as I've watched, I've been really fortunate in my time as a military spouse to have more seasoned spouses be mentors and friends of mine. And we have ended up at duty stations, you know, at the same time and watching some of them move through like the senior, you know, commands and things. And often sometimes kind of the isolation that may come with that because of their husband's job and then kind of the (laughs) inevitable requirements on their life, you know, as a command spouse has been really interesting. And I, I, having observed a few wonder how isolated they actually felt, even though they were surrounded by all these people that they had invited into their home, because that's what the job required. Like they probably often felt very alone because they didn't have the deployment stories anymore because their husband was the one in charge of sending the people out on deployment, but not necessarily the one going, but they had to absorb all of that like tension and chaos that can come with like being the one in charge, even though they're just married to the guy in charge. Like yeah, it's been it's been fascinating to watch that unfold. Yeah, and and that's why that section is it's written in a little bit of a different tone. It's those letters are very sincere, but they do touch on those topics of isolation, but also of just the weight and the responsibility. And I think there's a certain level of exhaustion. It's it's kind of an emotional exhaustion that comes the longer that you stay in military life, where you just like sure you've done five PCS moves. It's not that you can't move again, but you just are done. You really, really run out of steam and don't want to do it anymore. Whereas like the younger spouse going through the first one or two is like, it's an adventure. Let's just be optimistic about it. And at a certain point, like that message doesn't work anymore. And so Mm. I did adjust the message and adjust the tone going throughout the book. But there was something else that you mentioned a couple minutes ago that I wanted to go back to because you kind of accidentally touched on the secret (laughs) inside of my book that after working with spouses for a few years, I've discovered there's really two things that I think everyone is looking for in challenging situations. And I believe it's the same for the younger, newer spouses and also for the seasoned spouses. And the first is just 
empathy, someone mm-hmm. admitting that, yes, this is actually a stressful situation and it's hard and you are allowed to be frustrated with it because we don't always get that. And sometimes people are just saying, you know, just suck it up, put on the big girl panties, you'll be fine. But sometimes we really just want someone to say, wow, that sounds so frustrating and so hard. And that's got to be really difficult going through that. And the second thing that it seems everyone wants is connection and knowing that they're not alone in those moments. Like, sure, I know I'm not the first military spouse to do a PCS move. I know I'm not the first one that's ever gone through a deployment, but sometimes there is this whole whirlwind of emotions that we can feel about military life. And you might feel resentful or you might feel angry or you might feel stressed about a little thing that other people might not see as a big deal. And I found that a lot of spouses are always questioning, like, is this normal? Is this okay? Am I allowed to feel this way? And a huge part of my book is just acknowledging that, yes, it's okay Mm -hmm. if given this situation, you are feeling this emotion because that's a natural human result. Here's how you can address it. Here's what you can do about it. But don't feel like you're the only one who's ever been in that situation before. I'm just listening. (laughs) I was like, I've been taking everything that you've been saying, Lizanne. And thank you so much for sharing all that. And if anyone's noticed, like Jen's been quiet, it's because I've just been listening to you both. I've been listening to you, Jenny Lynn. I've been listening to you, Lizanne, just, you know, exchange stories of what it's like to be a seasoned spouse. And I really like how you touch upon those two, you know, key words that you said, empathy, just kind of being okay, like allowing yourself to feel your feelings and even allowing other people to feel their feelings, like saying, it's okay that you're upset. It's okay that you're resentful, you know? And then of course that connection, just knowing that you're not alone. And one thing I like in the description, if people visit the pre-order page on Amazon, once again, the website is tinyurl.com forward slash open when Amazon, I was reading the description about your book. And at the very end, I'm just going to read this little description, but I'm going to highlight the last part. So this collection of open when letters is meant to deliver that special message from a friend who understands whenever you need reassurance, helpful ideas, or a simple reminder of your own strength. And the last line really stood out to me. You said, we've got this because you could have said you got this, right? But you said, no, we've got this. And that really stood out to me to remind our spouses and to remind our community that even with all the PCS, even with all the moving, even with all the changes, like you really aren't alone and together we can do this. And so I just really like how you mentioned that. And maybe that wasn't a big deal to you, but it stood out to me when you said, we've got this, as opposed to saying you've got this. Thank you. I'm glad that you commented on that because I didn't actually think about the different implications. I do think it means a lot to be still an active member of the community and not reflecting back on my memoirs from you know, 20 or 30 years ago. (laughs) But yeah, I am still here actively, you know, I don't want to say in the trenches, but, you know, doing the military spouse thing. And I was very much in the midst of military life. Like I said, I started writing the manuscript when my husband was doing his seventh deployment. And I wrote a lot of it and did a lot of editing while I was pregnant with our fifth child and preparing for a PCS move. So all of that emotion and sentiment was very much captured in the book. But I think one really interesting decision that my editor made that I originally resisted because it was a lot of extra work, but I ended up loving it. I had written a lot of it in first person. You know, I did this. I recommend Mm. that. And I think for kind of the reasons that you're pointing out, she had a slightly different view that, you know, you need to be speaking more directly to the reader. This is about Mm. their experiences, not just something that 
Lausanne went through, but for the entire military community. So we had to change the entire book to be written in second person. And so every single letter is open when you are in a particular situation, open when you're facing this or when you learn about deployment. And I love it now. It was a huge amount of work, but (laughs) it's not natural necessarily. We don't spend a lot of time writing in the second person, but it does make it such a personal message that I really do want to meet people wherever they are and connect with them and say, you are feeling this and I am feeling this and together we can face this challenge. So thank you for noticing that. Yeah. Well, I think it's important. I feel like, and maybe this is just how, this is what I've grown into thanks to the show is that, you know, we're not an island. Like we need to come together collectively to help each other out. Because if we don't, I think that let's say, for example, the imposter syndrome can easily creep in and think, oh, but I don't know it all. So I can't, I can't be that person. I can't talk about that. But if we really just talk from our personal experiences with the intent of, you know, I mean, one kind of that self-healing experience of putting it out there, but two, to help others and build that bridge. I just think it's a better experience. And I think, again, it reminds us that we're not alone and that we don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't do it alone. I know in the decades past, like I think about even the time that my dad served, like it was very much keep it to yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. like mental health in the 80s and 90s was like not a thing, you know? And I mean, fortunately, my family had each other, I think for the most part while they served, but, or they stuck to the family, but in regards to this, you know, getting support from the, you know, community as a whole, it was really difficult, I think, for them to do it. So I think that we're just in this generation in this time to actually like just come open candidly and openly to share our experiences and our stories to serve one another and continue to uplift one another. I am just um, marveling at having to not just edit a book, but change the entire (laughs) tone as a writer myself. I am like, oh my gosh. That is a lot of work. And two, like, it's something that I, I write a column um, as my work self for Homeland and San Diego Veterans Magazine. And it is in, in the tone of being somebody who works for a mental health organization. And so it is about like your mental health every month. And I really struggle with, am I simply writing about what works for me, because I'm not trying to should someone else, Mm. or am I writing for, you know, using you much more because I want it to resonate. And it's interesting to listen to how you and your editor work that out because I just submitted a column and it was, I was very particular about using I, because I didn't want to should people. And I'm like, Mm. hmm, maybe that wasn't the right choice. Yeah. And it it does depend on the topic that I will say, I mentioned earlier that the book is broken into those main sections of deployment and PCS moves. And we did agree that I would begin each section with a personal Mm. vignette. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why like the story of the deployment birth that is written in first person. It's a very personal story. I don't expect anyone else to be necessarily putting themselves in those shoes. But I share that at the beginning of the deployment section so that as people are reading the other letters that are more relatable, you know, open when you first learn that your service member is leaving or open when you have to tell your kids about deployment, that they can kind of understand where I'm coming from and know that, you know, I'm not just picking these ideas out of the air, but that I've lived through it. I've tried out different things. I've talked to a lot of people about their suggestions and kind of one way that we solve that problem that you mentioned of 
you know, just applying your own personal experiences to someone else's personal situation is there's a lot of options. It's not, you know, here's a one size fits all answer for every deployment issue, but it's more suggestions of you can try this or maybe that. And some people like to do it this way. I'm a big believer that people need to do what works for them. And I certainly wouldn't want anyone to be trying to copy my life or do things exactly the way that I have. But I think it's great to throw out 10 different ideas. And if one of them works for someone and helps make their life a little bit easier, then that's absolutely a success. Yeah. yeah, that actually reminds me of going back to episode 17 when we first spoke and we kind of made this comment of like, oh yeah, there are a ton of like resources out there. And, you know, some people might get a paralysis by analysis because of like all the things that's available, but you know what, it's like, if there's that one resource out of, you know, the pile of, Hey, <laughs> you know, that one needle that actually helps you, then you've done something right. And so, you know, to continue to amplify our stories and resources and, you know, what's available, I think it's worth doing. And hence why here we are hundred plus episodes later on holding down the fort, still doing this because I haven't had one person reach out and say, Hey, that was not useful. You know, (laughs) like something has helped one way or another, even if it was to make a new connection. And I'm just really glad to be able to provide that space and be a part of the space, you know, for our community. One thing that I appreciate about both of you and just hearing your stories is just how, you know, again, to repeat the word seasoned you are in this military life. And yet how humble you both are, like how humble and how willing you are to help the community. Because, you know, just like what you said, Jenny Lynn, like you don't want to should people, you don't want to tell them what to do because, you know, and just like what you both had mentioned, everyone has a different situation. Every PCS is different for everyone. There's not like a cookie cutter way to, you know, get it done. And so I just really appreciate that. And I hope that this show continues to amplify personalities such as yours, you know, to be able to be like, yeah, we're genuinely here to help you because in helping you, it helps us as well. And so with that being said, I do have a question for both of you, starting with you, Lizanne, would you have chosen a different life if you would have, like, if you had the chance to, would you have chosen a different life? And then Jenny Lynn, I'll ask you afterward as well, but any thoughts on that? Considering just this crazy journey, (laughs) would you have chosen a different life if you could have? Possibly. Yeah. It's not an easy life. And my history with my husband is long, but I guess to sum up, I met him before military life. Mm-hmm. And when we were dating, he was actually going to go into the police force. And mm-hmm. I spent the first year of our dating experience trying to decide whether I was cut out to be a police officer's wife. Wow. <laughs> and struggled with that for a bit. You know, it's a stressful life and there's danger and all these things. Yeah. And then long story short, there was a paperwork issue with his application and they were going to delay it for another year. And he turned around and said, well, I can't wait for another year to join the police department. I'm just going to join the Marine Corps infantry instead. So he did that right before September 11th. And then September 11th happened. And I spent the next few years of our relationship trying to decide how in the world I could handle being a military spouse with all the stress, the danger and the worldwide craziness that was happening at that time. So I would have loved to have an option to choose a different life, but I had already chosen him. And so he had chosen the military and I will be fair that initially he was only supposed to do the eight years of the enlisted contract. And by the time we got married, he was almost done and he was going to get out. And then the 2008 economic crash happened Mm. and couldn't find jobs. And so we ended up remaining and here we are 20 years later. So I don't think it's necessarily a life that I sought out. And I certainly, even when I married him, knowing what he had been through, he'd been through several deployments at that point. 
even on our wedding day, we weren't planning to have military kids. We weren't planning to go through PCS moves. It was not a life that we were intending to live together. I'm very happy that we are still together, but it definitely has been a challenging one. So yeah. I don't know, in a perfect world, yeah, if, if he could be happy and be fulfilled in a different job, it would definitely be less stressful for me. <laughs> but I have embraced this lifestyle. I have absolutely loved the military community and the friends that we've made. And that's why we're still here and why I'm still serving our community. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, it's not like we look at a military life like, yeah, I want to sign up for that. I want to sign up for PCSing every two, three years. I want to like have a kid while my, you know, husband is out deployed. Like, yeah, I want all that. Yes, I will sign up. Right. But like, obviously you take it as you comes. And I'm just so glad again, that you have this book to be able to speak to spouses at different stages of life. Jenny Lynn, just thought I would ask you the same question. If Would you have chosen a different life if you had the opportunity to? <laughs> Oh man. Well, <laughs> I think <laughs> I suppose I had slightly more choice than Lizanne in that I had until I met and married my husband, I had always dated people that I grew up with or that were friends of friends. And I met Matthew about a month into his very first duty station. So he had done boot camp and A school and stationed here in Virginia Beach. And so I obviously knew he was in the military when I met him and quite honestly was like, eh, all right, well, we'll <laughs> see how, I mean, I grew up in Hampton Roads. And so the military was always something that was here, but because I grew up a little more inland, it wasn't part of my daily life. And so there was a certain like oh, being from Hampton Roads and like dating someone in the military, like kind of brought all, like I finally felt like I got the whole experience of Hampton Roads. Like not just, you know, I was now attached to part of what made the community the community. And so, you know, it was one of those, I think I just kind of jumped in with both feet. I found it both exciting and slightly terrifying. And also my mom likes to remind me that it like the really wise age of 16, I said I was never going to marry anyone in the military. And lo and behold, we've been married for 12 years and we have two kids and we've done umpteen PCSs and all of the things. There are a lot of things that I wish were not part of my military story, but I don't think I would choose differently because of all of the community it's brought me. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so deep. Thank you, Jenny Lynn and Lizanne for sharing that. Yeah. And, you know, I think about even for myself, obviously I didn't have a choice. I was born into this life as a military child for the first decade. And then, you know, coming back 20 years to be involved and work with my husband and the military community. And it's like, you know, I think to myself, like often I forget that. And, and Jenny Lynn and I talk about this a lot. Like often I forget that, you know, only less than 1% of Americans serve. So even though everything we're doing is so normalized, the average civilian is quite fascinated with our lives. They're like, wait, you've gone here, you've gone there. Like you haven't stayed in one place till you were 18. And then you decided to leave home to go to college somewhere. You know, the only person that 
at least amongst my siblings, my sister was the only one who was sort of fortunate enough to do that at five years old. You know, she was born in San Diego. And then when dad had passed, she was already five when we went back to San Diego. And, you know, she was raised up till she was 18. And she was like, I want to leave, you know? And for me, it's funny because she ended up being the world traveler. And I'm here like, I just want to stay put, like, I'm tired. <laughs> like, I'm tired. Of, can I just stay somewhere? Even though like the last decade of my life, I've been like moving every two to three years still, even though I'm not in the military. I think it just kind of sticks with you. But all that being said, I'm so glad to have been part of this military community and continue to contribute because I think that one thing that I feel like you both exude for me is, is presence, like radical presence and really being where you're at right now with, you know, the people that's close to you, your loved ones, and, and just really trying to be the change that you want to see, or continue to be a servant leader, you know, of our community or whatever community means for you, whether it's your local community or the military community. And so, yeah, I like this community a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's why I was drawn to my husband, <laughs> you know, after he had served and everything. Yeah. I just want to thank you for bringing that up. And just to say that I think a huge part of my passion and my heart for the military community is trying to be that voice of support and encouragement and friendship that I needed at certain moments of military yeah. life and didn't always have. And, you know, not to blame anyone, there was no shortcoming, but I think that we all absolutely at certain moments need someone to kind of hold our hand, someone to be there. And a lot of times military spouses don't have that. And that's part of why I started my blog. It's the main reason that I write for this community and it's what motivated me to share a book with them. So I hope that it is a useful and helpful service. Yeah, absolutely. And so just as a reminder to our listeners, you can pre-order a copy of Lizanne's book, Open When, Letters of Encouragement for Military Spouses. It'll release in September 21st, 2021, but you can pre-order it now at the website, tinyurl.com forward slash open when Amazon. I just need to clarify, my publisher is Elva Resa Publishing Company. You can always get the book through their site as well after the release date, but you can pre-order on Amazon. I figured that was the easiest link for anyone to use or share, but it's technically available online wherever books are sold. Perfect. All right. And before we wrap up, Lizanne, I just want to thank you personally for writing my husband's story in the Reserve and National Guard magazine. I've, in case anyone wants to check it out, it is titled... So this is actually written on my husband, Scott R. Tucker, and I like how you titled this, or I like the magazine wrote this, whether it was you or the team collectively, but the article is titled, This West Point Grad Has a New Approach to Wealth Management. And I'm not going to spoil it here. I think it's worth checking it out yourselves. You all can visit the website, reservenationalguard.com. But Lizanne, thank you for that. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I remember reaching out to you personally on LinkedIn to thank you. And it was almost like odd for you because you mentioned like, you know, I don't really hear a lot of feedback whenever I get my articles published. So yeah, it was actually, it was a really fun interview. I remember talking to him and I remember how energetic he was, <laughs> but, but yeah, I really do appreciate your feedback and that ability to make that connection with you as well, because yeah, freelance writers, we kind of send our work out into the world and we hope that it touches people and we hope that it impacts their lives, but you don't usually get very many personal responses back except for the hit or miss comments on social media. So, so yeah. it's very nice to have a personal connection and someone acknowledging, you know, hey, thanks for taking the time to write this story. And I really do. I love sharing the stories from our military community, the veterans, the spouses. I think everyone has a great story to share. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think often because Scott often finds himself in like Navy towns that he feels like that loner army guy. So it's nice to at least bring light, I think, to the army community in this sense. So yeah, just thank you again for being able to write that piece. I think it was very well written and I encourage anyone to check it out and any more of Lizanne's work. So feel free to check that all out. And remember that she also has a blog. Website is seasonedspouse.com. And I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap up here. So Lizanne Lightfoot, it's been a pleasure bringing you back on the show two years later, mom of five and your daughter's about to turn two. And I'm just really excited to stay connected with you and be in community with you. And I look forward to the release of your book. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I too am super excited about the book's release and I just appreciate you sharing that message. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Jenny Lynn, I know we didn't meet in person today, but thank you for being here. (laughs) Glad to be here. You know, I love these. I know you do. (laughs) This show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you, I feel like nowadays. So thank you for just that continual uh, accountability and just love for having these conversations. It really means a lot to me and it gives me that validation. So again, the whole we got this, you know, I think theme is what we're talking about today. So to our listeners, thank you so much for being part of our conversation. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Oh, 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 oh